Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. My friends are gone and my hair is grey. I ache in the places where I used to play and I'm crazy for love, but I'm not coming on. I'm just paying my rent every day in the Tower of Song. Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast, so if you miss it, relax. You can listen to it later on at your leisure. We have a special guest. We always have special guests on Radical Australia. First of all, I'd like to say hello to Dale. You're back. Hi, Joe. It's good to see you back. Thanks, Joe. We've been keeping secret... (laughs) kind of eye on you, have been asking around and you haven't been very well, so it's good to see you back. Oh, thanks, it's nice to be back. Yeah, and guess when she came back when we interviewed him, Margaret Roadnight. Yay! <laughs> 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 Greetings all. Greetings all, I like that. Now, Margaret, this is a very simple show. Because you're a creative person, we will allow you to play some of your music. Usually we don't. People have to create things on the show. And we only ask two questions. The first question is year of birth, and the second question you'll find out in a minute. And we'll do the year of birth just to kind of acclimatise people to the who, who are interviewing, because we've got people from 18 to 90 that come to the studio. Yeah, okay. So what year were you born? Well, I'm closer to the 90 end, <laughs> and uh, it fits in with the, pre- the theme of the previous show. Uh-huh. Um, no, I was born in 1943, so do your sums. 43, yeah, do me sums. In fact, next yeah, month yeah, I'll, yeah, well, next yeah. month I'll turn 74. 74. I've done them for you. Yeah, that's excellent. I'm very pleased. And the second question you've got 55 minutes to answer <laughs> is, what's the first thing you remember? I don't know what's, memory is so false, you do not know. Well, it depends if, you, if you've seen a photo and somebody's told you the right. story, you yeah. remember that, yeah, well, even what, though what, you don't remember it. Well, what do you think is the first thing you remember? Oh, I, I know that I was um, singing at kindergarten. So. You remember that? I do. What I do think rem- I do. What, <laughs> what, what do you remember Having, about What do you remember about that day? Oh, well, it was Christmas party and... Uh, Poor old Santa Claus had the, the sack of goodies there and uh-huh. um, the parents were mostly mothers, I would imagine, having to sit through every child getting up and doing something to mm. get a present. Mm. So they very um, cluely put my name towards the top, my present towards the top. So I must have been able to carry a tune in a bucket back then. <laughs> and um, But I remember it because I would have been four maybe because I dragged my sister up, who's two years younger than me, to sing as well, so obviously she'd been um, taught, away in the manger. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a good beginning. Well, it is. It It is is a good beginning. It's a good song. Good beginning. (laughs) Good song. (laughs) (laughs) The best thing about that, well, the whole way the kids sing is, you know, we, we envy Aboriginal didgeridoo players with their circular breathing and never having to stop 
I could do that back then. I can't mm. do it now, but you know. Yeah. Away in a manger, <laughs> no creeper. You don't have to stop. No, you know. you don't have Kids to stop. do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the way. Yeah, yeah, keep singing. Keep singing. You keep can whistle singing. while you inhale too. So you you Try that. Do you have <laughs> any other siblings apart from your sister? Yeah, I have a. Um, I'm the oldest, then my sister, two years younger. My brother's about five and a half years younger than me. So. Mm. Mm. Were you born in Melbourne? Mm. East Melbourne. East Melbourne, mm. not South Melbourne, not West Melbourne, no, East Melbourne. We lived in East Melbourne and I was born not at home but up two blocks away at the Mercy Hospital. The Mercy Maternity, yeah, that's where mm. my youngest son was born. Yeah. Mm. So very East Melbourne. Mm. Yeah. And Wouldn't it, mind having owned that house, we only rented it and eventually it was auctioned under our feet. So we moved from East Melbourne to East Reservoir, East, which was the biggest cultural shock I could get. That really. is a move. Yeah. That would what was that in the fifties? Uh, yeah, you can tell it was. We went to East Reservoir because if you don't live there, people call it Reservoir, that's right. not the locals. No, no Reservoir. Um, that's right. I mean, it was fun, but it was very different. Mm. So, how long were you in East Melbourne for? Uh, I left there when I was 13. 13. So tell us about your parents. Were they from Australia or were they? Mm, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we go back, you know, three, four, five plus generations. Mm. Um, um, English, Irish and a bit of Scottish, but boring Anglo-Celt background, you know. Um, I'm oh, a world musician boring. when I go overseas, but not here. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about them? Oh, uh, my father, well, they met when they were both sort of being clerks and um, whatever, somewhere. But mm. um, And then the, the war came along. Mm. And my father didn't immediately go. He was um, he was like an army cadet. He was also in the cavalry. <laughs> in the cavalry in the yes. second one. <laughs> I got a great photo of him in his cavalry uniform. Um, and because he was the breadwinner for his mother and his younger sister, uh, they didn't draft him immediately. In fact, they said, no, keep, stay out. But uh, he was raring to go. And he did a tiny bit in the army and then immediately transferred to the Air Force, became a flight lieutenant and crashed the odd plane. And, mm. um, and my mother, you know, was the house housewife, as we used to call them. But then my father got sick uh, after the war and... Um, all of a sudden, and in fact, he'd risen to be deputy director of Air Force Intelligence, a spy. Mm. And um, uh, he um, then he had heart trouble, and they drummed him out of the regiment on an 80% disabled pension. So all of a sudden, my poor mother had to, uh, with a sick husband, three mm. children, mm. go back out and become the breadwinner. Right. So, what was like life like for a little girl in East Melbourne? Oh, great, because we we uh, lived exactly opposite Powlett Reserve, which is oh, right, a big yeah, playground, yeah, you know. Yeah. And not only that, they had set up as playground. There were tennis courts there, which I hung out at. And um, But then Victoria had a system. There was an association called the Playgrounds and Recreation Association of Victoria. I don't think it was duplicated elsewhere, but uh, people were trained. I think they were all women. They didn't have to be, but they all were, um, to go set up clubhouses on playgrounds. So it was a combination of whatever kids could do indoors and outdoors. And um, 
Powlett Reserve was one of them. So mm-hmm. we had the clubhouse there. And, and in fact, they became my first job because I, li- I liked going there so much that eventually I said, oh, I'll be a play leader. Mm-hmm. And uh, so taught art, craft, games, sports, whatever. Well, this the is a 12-year-old. Through, no, well, I just went as a kid and mm. then I went back and Later on. did a... Yes, you got a diploma too. It's a mm. part-time two-year course. Mm. And, you know, you taught art and craft and sports and games and to kids from three to 17, really. And often they were associated with school, so kids would come maybe at mm. lunchtime and certainly after school and do mm. school holidays mm. and there'd be competitions between the playgrounds and so on. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't, no. Association. But Curtain Square was one. There's quite a few around. So did you? Faulkner Park, I remember. Yeah. So when you went to primary school, what was that like? Was it in East Melbourne? Yeah, the yeah one at two, the corner blocks, two blocks down yeah. St John's, East Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it was all very local and easy. And, um, did you walk to school? Uh, I went, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we never owned the car anyway, but yeah. even if we did, two blocks. Um, yeah, and I got into kindergarten sort of early because mm. um, because my birthday's in the middle of the year, so I was either going to be six months early or six months late, and I just used to go down and hang around looking at the kids at kindergarten, you know, I couldn't wait to get in. Um, and the parish priest came along, was chatting to my mother, and he, he said, uh, oh, well, Margaret will be going to kindergarten next year, won't she? And my mother said, no, she'll only be whatever, you know. And uh, she'll only be three, you know, come to whatever time. And uh, I just knew by then that I was extremely tall because I turned around to him and said, yes, but I'm big for three, aren't I? <laughs> you said you had no memories, yeah. remember? Well, uh, and then, that's true. But, yeah. um, and he said, Precocious. Oh, she, yeah. keen to go, is she? And I, uh, my mother said, yes, she is. So <laughs> I got in like the six months early uh, or yeah. rather than the six months late. Mm. You said you could sing a tune in kindergarten. When did, when did you realise you had a voice? Oh, no, everybody. I mean, most people can, mm-hmm. you know. It's not that, I mean, there's singing and there's performing, mm-hmm. you know. Almost everybody sings, even people sing badly. They should sing, it doesn't matter. It's got, you know, I mean, they shouldn't be paid to sing if they sing <laughs> badly. And, uh, you know, they should, they should s- sing out <laughs> in the fields or under the shower or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's the cheapest therapy you'll ever do you know? mm. and uh, I don't yeah. know how it works it's a vibrational mm. thing in your body and all that and I don't really care I, it's just um, it's just good for you people feel better after they sing mm. you know we would feel better after we dance you know you get you get energy you expend energy and you get more mm. I don't know how it mm. works but I just know it does and uh, but we aren't a singing nation so um, we miss out and and it's like oh oh you sang or you perform you know well it, I said it's difference between singing and performing but um, in my case it sort of led one to the other mm-hmm. it's a bit quite a transition really because I knew I could sing and, but to get up on stage and that, that first time not fun do you, you remember know, the you, first time you tra- transcend the t- the terror mm-hmm. um, you remember when you, when oh, you yeah. from a singer to a performer you remember oh yeah tell us about it. Um, First time I was paid to sing. Mm. Um, well, at this, uh, when I had the job as a play leader, I obviously was talking music or singing and whatever, and one of the other play leaders said, oh, there's a, a concert series happening that I reckon you'd, you'd like. And uh, this was 1962. 
and um, it was the winter seasons at the Emerald Hill Theatre in South Melbourne. No longer exists. It's a carpet warehouse now. Um, they should have a plaque there. Margaret Roadnote first performed here. Uh, <laughs> 1962. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, no, I performed there in 1962. But in 62, uh, I started going to these concerts. And my friend at, at work, she said, and oh, they've got a little jazz trio that opens. And I know the bass player, so just introduce yourself. But otherwise, the first act was was Jerry Humphreys from the Loved Ones, um, post, pre-Loved Ones and post, um, what was he in? The Red Onion Jazz Band. Mm. He was playing um, clarinet and had a banjo player and a double bass player. Played for, you know, 15 minutes and then all the folk singers would come on. So I introduced myself to this guy and I said, oh, I'd, I was smitten by the range of stuff and the stuff I, I didn't know. I mean, yes, on the radio you could hear folk type pop stuff, and, mm. but you never heard interesting stuff. I, I thought folk music was that dreadful stuff we, we sang along with in school with the book opened and the ABC yeah. blasting yeah. from the corner. And yeah, with the swear dancing in the background. Well, no, no it was no, more no. like fold your old little eye day. Ah, right. <laughs> Dashing away with a smoothing iron. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, if that's folk music, I don't like it. Yeah. But, of course, the stuff I did like was, you know, Mahali Jackson singing gospel songs. Or Harry Belafonte, actually, was the first one that turned me on to a range of stuff. I mean, he was known as Mr. Calypso, but, mm. and uh, he did introduce that to the, the great unwashed. But... Um, if you bought his albums, you know, there'd be lullabies and work songs and blues and whatever. And all of those, plus, are folk music. Unfortunately, I'm, I'll, if I have to be called anything, I would call myself a folk singer. Um, but I'd rather not be called mm. anything because mm. people, you say that, and they have, a, they have an image of mm. folksy. Did you perform that and night? I ain't Folksy. Did you perform that night? Oh, no, no, it was an afternoon anyway. Afternoon, yes. After Sunday afternoon concerts. No, no, but this guy, I said, oh, wow, this is fantastic. I'd love to sing this stuff. Mm. And he, he said, oh, do you, do you play um, an instrument? I said, no. And he said, oh, I'll play for you. I mean, he <laughs> hadn't heard me, just met me. You know, and he came and, and, um, and you know, it was just double bass and voice and mm. we whipped up a couple of songs and then we'd go to hear other people and Graham would say, Margaret sings too. And whoever was <laughs> sitting in the corner singing, they'd have to accompany me on something. You know, mm. but, and that went on for a, a few months. Then this this winter season stopped and the guy who'd run at Tom Lazar, he, he used to own the Riata in High Street, Pran. And uh, in fact, that was the first coffee shop in Australia that had folk singers. Paul... What was his name? Anyway, Paul Marks was the the guy who held down the the uh, honour honor there. Mm. And then they transferred the summer to, well, it was bigger than the Riata, but it was called the Little Riata, because it was Mark II, I suppose, uh, in the city. And um, so I just I was just audience everywhere, you know, just enjoying myself. And, and um, Paul Marks was singing there, and he looking for a break, I think, and he said, anybody like to sing? So <laughs> I went up to him and I said, yes, I'd like to sing, but you'll have to play for me. So he didn't get a break, but anyway, I just did one song, and I noticed that um, Glenn Somersetti was sitting there listening, and she'd been um, running, and she ended up running the next season at Emerald Hill, but 
she was a big inspiration. She was about the only one of the rare females in the on the scene back then. And she played smart guitar and she'd been to China and mm-hmm. she did, you know, international folk songs and political songs and she wrote and and um, nobody remembers her now, but, you know. Uh, anyway, so she obviously caught me singing that one song and then months later the winter season started again and she was running it and I was there early in the audience and she came up and said, I've heard you sing, would you like to do a bracket here? So unbeknownst to me, I had auditioned and... Um, Mm. It only meant three songs, so I got Graham and we worked out three songs. And um, and then, well, I had to do an encore, you know. He yelled and stomped and screamed for more, and we didn't have any more than three. And so I had to do an a cappella song, and that was all right. And then mm. they yelled and screamed and stomped some more, mm. and Glenn got up and said, no, 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 Margaret won't be doing any more, but I'll book her later in the season. So they all calmed down. <laughs> <laughs> they all calmed down. And then I keep going on these Sundays and I'm sitting there waiting uh, waiting for the, co- the tap on the shoulder again, not coming. So I went backstage and, uh, <clears throat> uh, and she, I don't know what, where she was at. I think she was just getting cute or didn't like another female on the scene. I have no idea. I don't know what, and, you know, I'll try and be nice to her. She's dead now. Um, and she just said something really cute. She said, oh, yes, Margaret, well, since you've been on, I've had lots of people come to me, and it turns out they don't accompany themselves, and I've made it a rule. You no. have to accompany yourself. <laughs> oh, cute. So I said, oh, right. So three weeks later, I came back and said, okay, I play the guitar now. <laughs> <laughs> Crash course. Crash course. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I had a guitar at home, mm. and I... Had no idea how to play it, and I just used to play little mel- find notes for melodies, you know. Uh, yeah. But so, uh, you know, so I went out and bought a chord book, and no, I can't do it, and figured out, you know, oh yes. But I didn't do an easy one. Nowadays, I mostly strum and mm. keep it simple, but I picked a Latvian lullaby. A Latvian lullaby. Latvian, yes, oh. they're, they're well known. Any particular reason why? And, oh, I was having dance lessons from a Latvian. And, um, <laughs> And I not I didn't just strum the odd chord. No, no, I did arpeggios, yeah. and uh, all guitarists out there will be amazed already. <laughs> Three weeks. And, and, then, and then I did, but I did backwards arpeggios. Backwards. Yeah, the bass oh. note. Then coming back. Oh, <laughs> for the for my first performance on guitar. Never done anything like it since. You know, <laughs> you get smarter as you get older. You're stupid. Right. You're stupid when you're young. You know, yeah. and fearless. So, yeah. but so that was. I can uh, thank and blame Glenn Tomasetti, or the audience can thank and blame mm. Glenn Tomasetti for Your me guitar. being paid to sing. We got a pound a song. A pound? That was real money. I actually in those like days. to find out what the equivalent now and ask for it, because <laughs> I think it'd well, be good, especially when you do a program of you know, twenty bucks. Well, yeah, per song. Per song. That's what I'm I saying. I know. Well, yeah, that's the real money. I mean, that was the real money. I know. You'd, you'd get about ten See, pounds so a I week got, as a labourer. Four pounds for my yeah. first gig. Yeah, this was um, yeah, yeah 1963, yeah. and I remember I remember the date because what's the date? One of the few songs I sang was um, <clears throat> was Mother's Day, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the few songs I sang was Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child right. with my poor benighted mother in the audience. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're cruel when you're young yeah. or thoughtless oh. or something. Oh, we're so self-centered, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
naive. Uh, now you brought in some CDs. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Well, is anything you like particularly play in the next few oh, minutes? While uh, I, li- I like every track I've ever recorded. Yeah, I know, I know. No, they're all my children. Yeah, I'd say you don't love one child the, more than the other. None of yeah. the, none of them yeah. are mine. Uh-huh. Like that because I didn't write any of them. Uh-huh. Uh, but you, you, you're sort of a political, radical-ish show, aren't you? Ish. So, okay, yeah. Ish. Yeah. Oh, let, let's put this one on. I haven't heard this for a while. It's from a live album of mine called An Audience with Margaret Rednight. Uh-huh. I point out to the people who buy it that I've given them top billing. And, uh, <laughs> and actually, I've got a fanfare on the beginning as if I'm the Queen. And oh, right. an audience well, you are the Queen. Yeah. Not <laughs> as queen of my own lunch hour. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so track three, let's try this. Um, it's slightly out of date, but it's a very, it's oh. a great song by Dick Gochen. Do you know him? No. The Scottish no. traditional and political no. singer. He doesn't mince words. I mean, Cromwell was my greatest hero, so you don't ask me about music. That's why Dale's here. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. Okay. <laughs> and um, she'll give me the... What, was that track number track three? three? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. I think she. I didn't know she's doing Sorry, three. Yeah. Three <laughs> minutes. I have to keep ticking. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Um, so we're ready to go when you are. I'll throw to throw to you. Okay. Well, well, here we go. Here's our radical Australia's guest. And that is uh, George Bush is uh, lecturing to the Russians about how they can convince him that they want peace. <laughs> Do you think that the Russians want war? These are the parents of children who died in the last one. And do you think that it's possible, knowing their past, they'd ever consider repeating the last? When 20 million were slaughtered by Nazi invasion, they died fighting on our side, you know, in a fight to defend humankind against Nazi terror and hatred. So in the name of humanity, bitterly torn, in the name of our children as yet to be born. Before you do that which can never be undone, I beg of you, think, think again. And again, and again, and again, and again. Do you think that the Russians want war? They're the sons and the daughters of parents who died in the last one. Do you think that they'd want to go through that again? The destruction, the bloodshed, the suffering and pain. In the Second World War, out of every three dead, one was Russian. So if we try with all of our power, can we not find a way to peacefully settle our difference? So in the name of humanity, bitterly torn, in the name of our children as yet to be born, before you do that which can never be undone, I beg of you, think, think again. And again, and again, and again, and again. Do you think that the Russians want war? Will the voice of insanity lead you to total destruction? Will you stumble to death as though you were blind? 
Will you cause the destruction of all humankind? Will you die because you don't like their political system? There will be no survivors, you know. No one left to scream in the night and condemn our stupidity. So in the name of humanity, bitterly torn. In the name of our children as yet to be born. Before you do that which can never be undone, I beg of you, think, think again, and again, and again, and again, and again. So, how old do you think you were then? Yeah. Oh, I recorded this in uh, oh, 1988. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did I, I see it buried down to a festival mm. in the mid-70s? Or no. It wasn't you. No, I just had a funny feeling. Don't tell um, me there's somebody else who looks like me. No, 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 no. no it's no, just me. It's just me. No, well, did you, you, well, you, you go to some com- of those confests? Sort of no. As a, as a singer, no. But, but in everybody's mind, I was there. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There, in my mind, you were yeah, there. I don't know well, why. The first time, I, <laughs> first time I went to Nimbin in yeah. 1988, yeah. and I recorded that yeah. in, in Nimbin, mm-hmm. um, I was approached by so many people welcoming me back. That's right. Because in their mind, I was... I well, in my mind, I saw you in 1975 in Berry, South no, Australia, I mean, the Confess. Maybe somebody was singing one of your songs. No, they just know, know that you know yeah. I'm part of their life and I, yeah. I'm on side with this. So obviously I was there yeah. when Aquarius Festival happened. Yeah, exactly right. Obviously yeah. I was there oh, for this. And plus there. people were approaching me with joints, you know. Yeah. And I, I tried it once and nothing happened. So I thought, thank goodness, that'll save me so much money and, yeah. and so many boring conversations. Yeah. So I... Didn't ever never bothered me offering me joy, and I said, yeah. "Thank you, I appreciate the <laughs> thought. You will enjoy this much more than me." <laughs> so, I mean, but in their mind, I'm one of you those people. Still see me in the caftan. You know, yeah. I was never a hippie. So I was just uh, just yeah. a singer, <laughs> not even a folk singer. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I was a folk singer, but uh, well, except when I was singing jazz, or when I, you know, if you'd see me at certain festivals, you you have no idea I'm a folk. Singer, singer. Um, you know, I'm a jazz and blues singer, or uh, if you yeah. see me doing in a theatre mm. show, I'm maybe mm. a cabaret singer or mm. whatever. You know, uh, that's why the, the the categories don't really mm. work. They're, they're not helpful. But no. but and if I wrote songs, it'd be very simple. Mm. I would be singer songwriter Margaret Rodenight. Yeah, yeah. So I, they're not happy to just throw away the songwriter and call me singer Margaret Rodenight. Oh no, you've got to be a something singer. Something singer, and, uh, right? Uh, now, obviously, you've been overseas many times and done many mm. performances. Any any stand out in your mind? Oh, <laughs> well. With this program in mind, uh, yes, in 19... Oh, when was it? Let me think. I'm trying to think. Anyway, whenever the United Nations had their second special session on disarmament, obviously that worked really well. Um, you know, a million people marched, and I was there representing Australia, so that was interesting, singing for heaps of those mm-hmm. people uh, on the streets of New York. And um, people, if they want to go to my website, you know, people can track down these dates and photos and whatever. Just trawl through everything. It's all fascinating, of course. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I realised that, you know, you, you do the 
Margaret has appeared with and in concert with and performed no, with. No, I just wonder if there's any no, performances. No, but, well, yeah, the thing yeah. is that, you know, you list all those. And then I yeah. stepped back from that and said, but actually the more interesting people often are, are not performers. You know, yes, oh. I've shared the stage with Nelson Mandela. I haven't oh. heard him sing lately, but, no, you know. No, um, miracle. Everything from, you know, mm. Benjamin Spock in his yeah. anti-war guys to um, mm. you know, the Helen Caldicotts and the David Suzuki's and mm. whatever. So I've, I've got an activist page there that's photos of me, you know, singing for the masses. And, and, and with, I, I toured Holly Near to Australia. You know, she was the main singer in the women's movement in America. And I brought her and her pianist and her sign language interpreter, which was interesting because then I was the opening act, so I had my pianist and my sign language interpreter. Be awesome. <laughs> and of course, unlike English as she spoke, that the sign language of both nations is totally virtually incomprehensible yeah. to yeah. each other. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we're Auslan and they're Amazlan. Mm. And then, of course, it was the time of of the uh, deaf community finally getting their uh, political wings. It was around the time of Children of a Lesser God. And uh, they were campaigning, you know, boycott the production because (laughs) they were bringing in an American woman to Mm. play the lead role and she wasn't going to bother learning uh, Auslan. And so the whole cast had to learn Amazlan. And uh, so that was a big ruction. And here I am, Mm. I'm bringing out, you know, if somebody's going to do two-thirds, three-quarters of the program... And she, she'll have a signer whose interpretation won't be understood by the local deaf, who are unlikely to be coming anyway. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, um. Don't worry. That's something that's. Well, we have to clear happen. the, clear, clear the. Christmas, Christmas. Yeah. Clear the building, yeah, yes, okay. It's Christmas. Yeah, so that was an interesting thing, because I had, you know, people, usually hearing people and who's thought they could speak for the deaf for telling mm. me what I could and couldn't do. Mm. You know, oh, you can't have a, an American sign. Of, yes, I can do what I like. I'm paying the bills. Mm. Um, you, uh, oh, well, you'll, you should have a, an um, Australian signer at the, simultaneously. Yeah, that'll look good. Like, don't even talk to me about how you're going to get singers generally to work with signers. I mean, it's mm. a great idea. Mm. It's expensive extra expense plus the time you spend get, getting your lyrics and your interpretations everything it's like five times the time you would spend with a pianist to learn the yeah. stuff not only did i have my own signer i had i had to hire and pay a um, a deaf consultant for deaf my signer. Oh, yeah, because, well, my signer was a hearing person, right. and basically she knew what she knew, and if I threw in something different, she would si- signed English, is not Auslan, mm. you know, because they have their own slang, their own short, yes, yes, shortcuts and everything. So, yes, it was like bigger than Ben Hur, and I had these people telling me, well, like, oh, well, you can have a Australian signer down, ha- have all the deaf people sitting in the front on the left, and that, down yeah, below mm, the stage yeah, there'll be somebody yeah, waving yeah. around. Oh, so. Well, did you lose any money on the production? <laughs> Didn't make any. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so, uh, what what got you involved in actually bringing people across and actually bankrolling things? Yeah, is uh, that because you weren't happy with what was happening, or because? Um, I mean, there's never a straightforward answer. Um, the first person I brought from overseas was Ellen McElwain, and I, I always ask, especially guitarists, I say, "Do you know Ellen McElwain?" They say, "No, who's he? Who's he? <laughs> yes, yeah." All <laughs> oh, right, you really don't know Ellen McElwain. Um, 
in my never humble opinion, you know, one of the greatest entertainers and guitarists. I mean, let's just say that, you know, when Jimi Hendrix heard her, he said, oh, I'd like to work with you. And mm. she said, oh, well, I'm continuing at this club as a solo. The money's the solo. There's no money for you. Mm. And he said, that's all right. I'll do it for nothing. <laughs> so, you know, that's the caliber of the person. And she switched to piano and he mm. played guitar. She'd already seen him upstaging John Hammond in this yeah. club. And she said, do I want to work with him? And, mm. uh, but... Um, she said he was very respectful. When I did a ballad, he sat down and put his head down and played. And then when it was a rocker, he was up to, you know. So, um, yeah, this is Alan McElwain. But basically, I never thought I'd bring it to Australia. I'd recorded one of her songs and I'd left an album in Canada where she was. And <clears throat> I knew she, she knew who I was. But then somebody came back and said they'd seen her in a club and she was complaining about the last record company had folded mm. and she was you know, having, you know, basically a small club. In other words, she wasn't making a lot of no money, money. So, no. so I contacted her and said, you know, would you like to come? We'll bring you to Australia. And it was apart from the fact that she was born in America but raised in Japan. She was back in the States and and um, she she hadn't performed overseas. So this was the first time she performed overseas and we made money on that. And then I brought out Holly Near. Um, I've been being nagged by her sister for years because her sister, Timothy Near, came to Australia with the Theatre of the Deaf. And I was working with the South Australian Theatre Company. Uh, and we were both on the festival, Adelaide Festival of the Arts, and, and so we hosted them to party. And she said to me, you, you probably know my, of my sister. And I said, yes, I do. And uh, so oh, when I went to America, I caught up with Timothy and she said, seen my sister yet? I was not a fan of Holly Near's singing. Right. I, I liked what she did. And I was not, you know, I, you can't say, oh, look, she doesn't grab me with that mm. wobbly soprano, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> but I, in the means, I kept going back to the States and eventually I did see her and I sort of saw her perform and, and she was fantastic. I mean, the way she projected to the audience and got them to do things they weren't comfortable doing. I thought, oh, yeah, you're worth being here. And uh, we yeah, we made money with Ellen on the first trip. We didn't make anything on the second. Mm. But we said we said if we don't if we don't lose money we'll bring Ellen back because yeah. Ellen was fun and Holly wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we brought Ellen back and she yeah. decided she she was an alcoholic or something, so mm. she was a teetotaler when she came back and she wasn't fun Funny either. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> when we first started <laughs> You, you're kind of talking about the difference between a singer and a performer. Well, you know. So you mean the alcohol made her a performer, did you? Oh no, no, she's still she's still performing. You know. So what, what is a performer? What is a performer? Well, anybody who's prepared to get up on stage and and uh, and, and successful in entertaining people, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and um, some people are just you know they're good songwriters or something. They should let somebody or sit in the bedroom and record it. Or hand it out to other people. I mean, that's what used to happen. Um, I'm rare now. I'm a, I don't write my own songs. I don't, apart from financially, stupid decisions financially. If you're recording, you do at least do a few fillers on an album. Mm. You know, that saves you handling money yeah. to the songwriters because they're the people who make money on a on an album, and um, the artist doesn't. Like it, back in the days when you pressed, you know, a thousand albums. Well, all the songwriters were pl- paid on pressings. I was paid on sales. There was right. no guarantee, no guarantee of yeah, sales. sales. My name's up there, yeah. you know, yeah. and and so you just 
fill it with a few of your own B-grade yeah. compositions, yeah. but I, yeah. uh, the world is full of B-grade songs and yeah. it doesn't need any more. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much, regardless. You yeah. know, so yeah. I do edit a lot. I tamper with other people's gems and, yeah. and localise and edit. And, um, yeah. How, how do people feel uh, about that? Anybody ever complain about anything? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could, I could good name names. <laughs> name names. Tell us somebody who can play. I mean, you know, uh, it's a little bit. No, like I won't mention the <laughs> local person who can right. play. He can cry all the way to the bank. Oh, right. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, you, you have to put your own stamp on it. You know, what's the point? And you know, I'm sure, I learned my songs from Nina Simone, but she's done them so brilliantly. And you know, unless I do something different or localize mm. it, or mm. you know make it more contemporary or whatever. Mm. So um, most people are happy, and and if they're not, they're smart enough not to let you find out that they're not. No. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm spreading the word and the songs of, you know, of other people, mm. finding the gems from anywhere. Yeah. Have you ever felt the need to write? Or? No. No, never. No, 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 no. There's enough out there. Oh, there's, yeah, and occasionally no. I, I've been known to go to especially one particular... Um, songwriter, my favourite Australian songwriter. I hesitate to say people's names because their career tends to plummet rather than <laughs> expand. But uh, the Road Knight's stamp of approval has never led led to anybody riches. Eh? Yes, and fame. Not only my own, but um, yeah, John Shortus is um, he's now lives outside Canberra in Bungendore to be precise, and um, he's my favourite songwriter. He can write in any style and. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you you call him and say? Uh, I I do I I don't, haven't done it lately, but he owes me a couple of songs. I've given mm-hmm. him a couple of topics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I say John, I need a song. Oh, I'd like a song on this topic, and here's some background information and in, in this style, if you would. And there's only been one that he's given me. I said, mm, no, I'm not going to do this one. Can you have another go? And he mm-hmm. did it brilliantly. I've recorded dozens of his songs, you know. No. Um, well, so they're basically, they're kind of your songs, aren't they? Oh, well, so you yes. The I mean, yeah. <laughs> and and he, I mean, I say commission, but I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> pay him to do yeah. it. The only way he makes money is if I record them, right. and uh, then people play them on the radio because mm. it's the writers that get paid on the radio too, folks. You know, even right, my my yeah. minor hit, nice. "Girls in Our Town," I didn't write it, so who gets the money? Mm. It's mm. Bob Hudson who. Cries all mm. the way to the bank, bank with that one. Yes. <laughs> so, 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 what do you get? Oh, the fame. The fame. <laughs> the accolades. Yeah, remember what, Ger- <laughs> remember what Ger- Geronimo said when they finally <laughs> catch him? He said, Big name, no blanket. <laughs> is, that, is that what you got the same Absolutely. problem? Absolutely. I've never owned a house or a car. You never <laughs> owned a house or a car? No, no. no? no? no. So, you're still living in Melbourne? Uh, what do you mean? Still haven't lived here for over 40 years. I just moved back to Melbourne. Yeah. I've been away for over 40 years. Where have you been away? Oh, well, after Melbourne, I lived for 21 years in Sydney. What did you you missed doing me, that? obviously, Joe. Yeah, I did. Yeah, well, well, yeah, I thought I saw you Aquarius. Maybe you're on your way to yeah, Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> you see me everywhere, but I, yeah. I wasn't there and I wasn't here. <laughs> so, I never, never knew you were I'm in, in your dreams, obviously. Oh, I, I thought I was, you were here I, all the time. I never mean, knew you went to Sydney for 21 years. Yeah, I mean, you I, I wouldn't have interviewed you if you, I knew you'd gone to Sydney. But what did you go to Sydney for 21 years for? Uh, was it love or <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's usually something like that, isn't it? We won't go into the details. <laughs> to Fair protect enough. names, not mentioned. What is it? to protect the guilty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, names have been changed to protect the guilty. Yeah. Uh, then I had twelve years in Brisbane, 
that's even worse. I was born mm. in Brisbane. Yeah. I left. Yeah, but I got there at a the good time. I went there. In, Post yeah. Bjelke Peterson. No, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Ninety-six. I went there. Ninety-six. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then, uh, and then I lived for eight years in East Gippsland. East Gippsland. Mm. You've got to think for the East, haven't you? East Reservoir, East Gippsland, East Melbourne. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not Gippsland. It's like, you know, Gippsland is close to Melbourne. Yeah. But uh, no, I was about four and a half hours by public transport from Melbourne. And it's on the way to far East Gippsland, like Malakuta, you know. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, six hours from Canberra on the bus. I'm a, non, a non-driver, you see. Right. Yeah. Even if I... Why not? Had a car, it? I couldn't drive it. Why is that? You <laughs> if I you drove, I wouldn't have a car. Oh, you decide you never had the need, or, uh, or you got to think about has driving. Nobody a need. Very well, few people have the need to drive. Oh yeah. And it's actually, you know, it's convenient. It is convenient. And, but I mean, if I was rich now, uh, I wouldn't do it to myself or the other people on the road because you know right. you have to be young and stupid and get really. Co- Get past the stupid time, and but be super confident about not thinking about driving. Just you think about emergencies. But uh, everything would be an emergency for me, you know. Mm. Oh, that car coming. Which lane? Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. My neck doesn't want to go around that far, you know. I thought as a performer, driving would be easy. Oh, I'm good. It's a performance piece. Yeah, driving. I'm good in those what it, you know those video game things. Yeah. I'm really, yeah. really good yeah. at that. Yeah. 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 So, and I'm a good. Front seat, back seat driver. Yeah, no, we're all good. Now, I I've, bought saved, I've saved drivers from a few crashes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I noticed you bought three CDs. You got to, want to pick another CD? Oh, sure. Another Good song? idea, yeah. yeah well, well, let's waiting. do this one. Um, it's track four, thank you. Panela. Do you want to uh, perhaps introduce yeah. it while I'm popping yeah, it up? Oh, yeah, okay. Good idea. It's... Um, from an album called Fringe Benefits, which has nothing to do with avoiding tax. It's the benefits of being on the fringe. Um, all of the, everything I do is not mainstream, I hope. And um, it's by G- Eugene McDaniels. Um, when I, in 1960, there was a jazz package was brought to Australia. It had Sarah Vaughan and Dizzy Gillespie and all sorts of people. I was still at school, but anyway, we trotted along to that. And they, they always have the young unknown one that they're introducing and it was this young guy called uh, Gene McDaniels and he did and I thought I'll keep a look out for him but he he switched from jazz very early on and and had some monster pop hits like Tower of Strength and 100 Pounds of Clay and and then I noticed in the 70s he'd um, got righteous and and politicised and he was the very reverend Eugene McDee. Very reverend. Mm. Mm, It's hard to, you know, not going to help you find him if you wanted to. But um, (laughs) And then later on I realised he'd he'd morphed again and he was a record producer and songwriter for people like Roberta Flack and producing songs like and writing songs like... um, not killing me softly with this song. One of those, yeah. Mm. Um, waffly, waffly, you know, nebu- nebulous things. No, not, not, yeah, not that one. Which are, if, What's it called? And this, um, this one's from his righteous period. The very Reverend Eugene McDee uh, wrote before his, before the time of the uh, the issues really, but he wrote disposable society.
Why'd you come back to Melbourne for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's the world's most livable city and it's music city. It is um, music city, yeah. But that's, that doesn't help, actually. That means no, there's no. too much competition. Exactly. <laughs> too too no, many. How long did you come back? Oh, uh, well, I came back uh, late last year, but then I went overseas and, right. and um, came back really late last year. So I feel like I've been here this year. This year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I settled. Yeah. Have you really been settled working down. since you come back to Melbourne? No. Nope. Um, what, you've, you've retired? No, 
No, you're not a retired little old person. No, I'm not a retiring no, person. You're not a retiring I person. We know no. that. So, so what yeah. are you doing? Um, I'm. It's make me an offer I can't refuse. Stage and age. No, you need a manager. I'm very good no, at managing people. No. You got a manager. No, you don't I, need no, a manager. No, exactly. Well, I mean, <laughs> and I don't. Um, I, basically, I'm telling people you. Yeah, I'm retired. I'm retired. Still, still performing, but yeah. it's make me an offer I can't refuse. And then I'm still likely to refuse because really, you know, I. I don't need it, and I'm. I was spoiled, like starting in the, the folk boom and mm. folk scare days, and when right. I did, you know, even if you did were singing in a restaurant in the corner, people shut up. They yeah. look and listen and, li- and applauded and all of that. Nowadays, yeah. I just go. I check in on all the venues, and I'm mm. thinking maybe, mm. maybe. And usually, I'm saying, wouldn't sing here in a fit. It's fine if you're young and you're trying to establish something, or you've got to pay the rent or whatever. But it's. It might even be work, but it ain't a career. It's mm. not building a career. And I've actually gone up to a few of the good young, they, that this old bird, they have no idea who it is, and comes and gives them advice. But yeah. um, basically, I, ju- I just say, you're too good to be sitting here in the corner in the dark. Yeah. Basically. And some of them are. They're literally, I said, at least insist on a, a light you can turn on when you're going to sing, you know. You're already competing with the till and the television up there, the pool in the next room, and mm. the people mm. sitting there doing their texting and mm. and filming you in, in very bad conditions and posting it, and and everything's okay now. No, not none of that's okay. Not one aspect of that is okay, and that's mostly what it is. And either you go from that to, you know, I don't know, the Renee Gayer thing where she's on concert halls and with the band and mm. and the guaranteed money and all that. Well, I'm not there and I don't actually wish to be there. It sounds like sour grapes, but it's mm. true. Mm. I'm in the middle, but I, I will only work where the punters pay mm. because then they're in, you know, they shut up, look and listen in hopes of getting their money's worth. Mm. I don't overcharge, but it's a value I put on it. You know, you can't buy a packet of fags for 20 bucks. So, so when was the last time why would, was the last why time would I performed? be singing for that? When was the last time you performed? I performed, but mm. I haven't been doing my concerts. Mm. I mean, I, well, I sang at the launch of the latest book on Paul Robeson, you know, Jeff Sparrow's. Well, that, was just, that was just recently. I know. Well, well, you are. You're still performing all the time. I, I never said I wasn't, but <laughs> not doing concerts. I'm not looking for bookings and everything, you know. No, no. Um, so what, you just picking I mean, shoes or what? I People? sang at a memorial, you know. Mm. I mean, I Sung private, I, not under my name, you know. I can only call if it's my name and I'm trying to get people there. That's my performing. Mm. I can pop, you know, pop up and sing at the 30th anniversary of Helen Jennings' show on the blues, you know, mm. which I did and um, things like that. But coming up next month already, where are we? It oh. depends if you're listening on the podcast, of course. But no, live now yeah. is. Um, July 8th, which is Saturday week, um, at the Boat. The Boat. The Boat. Yeah. Um, People can come and see me. Um, I don't even know what I'd say. Book, to be sure, because the place only holds 100 max or something. Mm. But um, I've played there before, and I love the fact that it's unplugged, you know, uh, acoustic. Really, acoustic meaning... No PA, not acoustic meaning folksy. Right. Um, <laughs> and unplugged meaning, well, why did, it implies you were once plugged, but uh, yeah. I haven't always been plugged. So um, I started unplugged, mm-hmm. and um, it's, you know, all these terms that supposedly work now. Danny, the late lamented Danny Spooner, he, he said, Margaret, all this 
world music. Didn't we just used to call it international folk songs? I said, yes, we did. <laughs> Acapella. Now, didn't we just call that unaccompanied singing? Yes, we did. But uh, world music sounds... Yeah. World music says much sexier and acapella. Wow, there's oh, a whole good. industry on that. You no, know? there is at the minute. Hey. Yeah, so it, things change, and mm. you know, I'm a, I'm at the age and stage I can look back and say, yeah, that change is good. That change ain't so good. You mm. know. Do, 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 do other uh, performers still influence you? What you do? No, no you gave that up years ago, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. No, it's too late now. No, you just <laughs> do what you do. And, and, that's and it. in fact, I'm not even, I mean, I am on this program doing songs I've never performed, but basically, because it's, I've chosen a, a, a theme yet, really, mm. because the Boite is a world music cafe. And as mm. I said earlier, I'd have to be overseas to be a world musician. But, um, uh, and they're having a, Pakistani Sufi singer is my opening act. So, your opening act, yes. <laughs> Pakistani <laughs> Sufi singer. And uh, however, I've, with respect for the for the uh, the place, I've said I'll do cross cultural songs. Cross cultural, yeah, cross cultural. Yeah, so you'll have to come to find out what you that have is. The lingo not down m- not mul- multicultural. Cross cultural. Yeah, maybe. that means no. I won't necessarily be singing an African song. That's not cross cultural. That's an African song. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the cross cultural is where two cultures interact for the good or bad mm. <laughs> so uh, mm. yes yeah, cross-cultural songs from me at the Boat on Saturday week the mm. July 8th mm. it's, uh, doors open at 7.30 and it starts at 8 and gotcha. you have to pay I'm sure it depends if you're a concession or a, mm. or a member or a regular person oh, I'm sure pay. it'll be booked out Margaret well, a lot that, of people no, remember, a lot of people a lot of people never think you left Melbourne no <laughs> The thing, well, then they're, then they're very blasé about me. They think I'm he- here every week performing, obviously, too. Yeah, oh yes, well. this is this is it. I've dubbed it a rare Melbourne performance. Now, Margaret, we've got a request from you. We're sick and tired of our introduction and out, you know, Leonard yes. Cowan. So can you recommend a song that we can use for this program to introduce the program in? Oh, okay. Can you recommend one for us off the top Rec- of your head? No. You can't. <laughs> Come on. No, no. Oh, um, we, we thought we did, we did an Australian artist. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you, you do. started this off five years um, ago. Radical, yeah. radical. Yeah. It doesn't Australia. have to be radical. Just oh, yes, it does. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah, well, I don't understand why you had Tower of Song, i got to say. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was Gary's original idea when we first started. Gary yeah, there were two of us starting. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, how long ago have you been not... not About five years, I'm I afraid threatened to, to I threatened to write one, to write something for the intro, but yeah. um, I haven't gotten around to it. Never got around to it, so oh. it's your choice, Margaret's choice. Ah, uh, well, I'll have to text that into you, I think. Well, text it into <laughs> us, let us know. Otherwise, yeah, Leonard Cowan's going to be playing for another five years. Yeah, no, <laughs> boring. No, no. So, well, I, I actually do a song uh, written by a fellow Canadian. I won't tell you her name. Her career will take plummet. <laughs> no, Nancy White wrote a song called Leonard Cowan's Never Going to Bring My Groceries In. And it's, and it's full of quotes and, and it's about getting older and fancying Leonard Cowan, but I'm yeah. getting a bit old and domesticated yeah. now and he's never... Never going to bring my groceries in. No, <laughs> no you won't. Well, let us know. I will. Otherwise, we'll give it to another Australian performer, you know. Yeah. Um, we must have at least four listeners, so, you know. <laughs> well, if you want to... And we, if, do, and we do an APRA thing every you, six months or something, so... But in the meantime, if you just want to... Like I mentioned, Ellen McElwain. Yeah. Um, she's got one called Danger Zone, which is very good. All right. It's just... Um, and it's Jack... 
just her voice and Jack Bruce on the on the guitar. Jack mm. Bruce from Cream. Mm. And that's worth checking out and playing if you can. All right. Um, but I'll put on my thinking cap, preferably in Australia. Yeah. yeah. Preferably one of yours, please. Oh, okay. Oh, that's easy. <laughs> that's what we wanted. We wanted one oh, of yours. I, oh, I see. You didn't yeah. say. Oh, no. okay. Yeah, we want one of yours. So uh, if you can think of anything okay. before you go, that'll be yeah. great because we need to. Well, it's a very short one. Yeah, what's what's the go. short one? Can't, can't stand to see the slaughter, but still I eat the meat. All right, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds yeah, good. Put like, it on. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll play it out. Sorry, here we go. Thirteen. Track Thir- thirteen. Th- track thirteen. Here we go. We'll play some of it out. Yeah, yeah we've got. Uh, uh, all right. So thank you very much, okay. Margaret. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. All right, yeah. we better go. Here we go. There's the next program. Control Community Radio.